This is Liberal Talk on Therapeutic Virtual Reality. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at St. Luke's Hospital. Returning the podcast today is Dr. Benjamin Tallman, psychologist at St. Luke's Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation, to discuss therapeutic virtual reality and how it can be used to how it can be used as an innovative approach to chronic pain management. Dr. Tallman, welcome back. Thank you very much for having me. Delighted to be here. This is interesting. You know, this uh, this topic, virtual reality. Uh, artificial intelligence, I, you know, I think we're just we're we're in the infancy of the potential for this. Uh, so start off. What is therapeutic virtual reality? Yeah. First of all, again, I appreciate the opportunity to chat today. Um, VR is a an immersive experience where patients are in a multi sensory well, multi sensory experience. So you have a virtual reality headset on. And you're using all of your senses, your sense of smell, uh, your sense of uh, sight, tactile response, some cases even olfactory. Whether you're actually skydiving or swimming with the dolphins or walking on the beach, your body's physiological response is the same. So when people have a VR headset on for the first time, and I think a lot of us have seen some of those folks or YouTube videos, or maybe we've tried it ourselves, uh, so when people have that virtual reality headset on for the first time, there's an excitement and sometimes uh, even a, a surprise of, wow, it's like I'm in this particular uh, virtual environment. So we use uh, therapeutic virtual reality uh, at St. Luke's as a way to help people address symptoms and specifically symptoms of anxiety and symptoms of pain management. So I've never done it. So, I, you know, I don't have a personal reference here but what 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 does it look like and is it beach scene is it uh yeah yeah so uh, uh well first of all we're gonna have to get a headset on you doctor yeah. we can get you uh we can get you in a virtual world one of the things that we we've done at st luke's uh is use virtual reality for kind of two primary purposes one is for anxiety management the other is for pain management and we have a number of different applications uh, so go back to your question, Dustin, about, you know, how, you know, what are the different types of environments? The, the range is really endless. So if you think about all of the various uh, apps in the app store, all the apps on your phone and all the different environments that we have, there's essentially an app for every different type of virtual environment. So on the headsets that we have at St. Luke's, which are they're called the Oculus Go headset, uh, and they're untethered, which means they're not connected to a computer or anything else, they're charged up, we can take them to the patient's room, we can give it to the patient, we train them, we put it on them, they're able to use it. And then they're able to select uh, any number of apps uh, that would be helpful for them. And we know uh, from the literature that when somebody has choice and they can choose which experience is best for them, they tend to have a little bit better response. Now, the different apps kind of, I think, fall into two categories. One of those categories is what probably people think of more as kind of relaxation. Being on the beach, doing guided meditations, guided yoga, being relaxing and really triggering that relaxation response. Or, you know, within our, our stress response, calming down the autonomic nervous system. Um, so the part of those apps calm and are really relaxing. So that's kind of one camp. So if a patient wants to relax, feel calm, we give them, you know, Calm Place or Forest Serenity, or other types of apps. So one of those might be the example of they're walking in a forest, they see a waterfall on the left-hand side, 
They have different birds chirping in the background. Uh, there might be animals that are walking through. It's very peaceful. It's very serene. And as I mentioned, the mind and the body don't differentiate. Um, our body physiologically is responding the same way if we were actually walking in the forest or if we're in the virtual environment. The second type of apps are those that are much more immersive. And these are more what I kind of call uh, when working with patients as the ultimate distraction. So if somebody is really glued into or really focused into, you know, being on a roller coaster and they're actually feeling the visceral response of going up and down, or they're doing some target practice, or they're fishing, or they're kayaking in the ocean or in a mountain lake. Or one of my favorites is there's an app where you're shooting these geometric figures and balls are coming at you and you're circling around. I can tell you that when you're in these very immersive experiences or these immersive apps, you you don't have any idea what's going on around you. Uh, you're really focused and present. And again, the thought is that the more present the more that somebody is engaging all of their senses, the more that it could disrupt pain pathways. And that's really how it kind of works for pain management. I was just sitting here recalling growing up out north of town, we used to ride our bikes to, it was a 7-Eleven, now it's like a quick shop on 42nd and uh, Center Point Road to play Dragon's Lair. It was a video game, you sure. know, the, the old, but it was like the first one that ever had like three-dimensional, you know, sort of things. And it was, I don't know. I rode a bike a long way for a 50 cent gain, might have been a quarter. But uh, so are are there, I imagine there's patients that are good candidates to do virtual re reality and there are others yeah. that you, you'd want to avoid. Can you take us through that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we look at the literature and, you know, who's a potentially good candidate, who's not a good candidate, there aren't really any major rule outs. There's some research to suggest that people who have a symptom or have symptoms of motion sickness, that we really need to be careful about the types of apps we use with them, because they might have a higher, you know, a, a higher uh, possibility of experiencing motion sickness uh, during the virtual reality. So if they have a history of motion sickness, we ask all of our patients with that, we want to proceed with caution. We typically don't start those patients on the roller coaster. You know, we would probably start them more on something like being on the beach or in a scene that's not going to be as immersive as, as some of those others. Um, and then, you know, some of the other, uh, again, there's not really any hard and fast contraindications, but so, for example, if somebody has any issues with their eyes or if they've had something, you know, any sutures or things on their heads, they have to be able to wear the headset. Okay, so sometimes, sense. you know, working with patients that have had, you know, a crany or they've had some type of head trauma, we want to make sure that we can have the headset on uh, on them. And then very similar to some of the other techniques that I use, the person has to be able to have the cognitive ability to be able to manage and kind of navigate the virtual reality headset. And I tell people, if you can run a smartphone, which most of us can, you can run the virtual reality he the headset. There's a, a controller. It's got a number of different buttons on it. There's a back button. There's a home button and there's a trigger which is essentially kind of like a, a mouse click. And then there's, when you have the headset on, there's a home screen. So it takes a little bit. There's a small learning curve for patients to be able to navigate and be able to um, work their way around the headset. It's kind of like, you know, if you're at home watching Netflix or Hulu or whatever uh, other, uh, you know, um, 
social media platform you might use, you have to learn your way around it. It's very similar to VR. So patients have to have the cognitive capacity to be able to use it. Now, I, I will say with that said, I have had some patients that um, didn't have didn't have time to be able to learn to use the VR. I had one particular patient, this is a while back, uh, who was having a procedure that was being done and was really, really anxious about you know, having some dressing changes. I think in this case, it was some sutures removed. So I actually booted up the headset and held it, uh, held it to this particular individual's face while they pulled off the sutures. And five minutes into the experience, I said, well, when are you all gonna start pulling them out? We said, we've already finished. So they didn't even know that we had pulled out the sutures because we had already finished. So, but that was kind of a rare example of the patient not having to learn how to use it. Ideally, we give them a, a training session um, so we have our nurses, many of our nurses and, and techs trained at St. Luke's to be able to administer the VR. We go into the patient's room, we talk about some of the contraindications which we've discussed, and then there are sometimes symptoms of cyber sickness that we want to assess for. Cyber sickness could be eye strain, nausea, dizziness, happens in a small amount of patients. If the patients experience any of those things, they just take the headset off. If I have the headset on for about 30 minutes or more, I typically have a little eye strain, um, but we coach our, our providers and nurses to be able to use the headset for about 10 or 15 minutes and then take a break and then to be able to use it again. That's interesting, cyber sickness. Uh, the, what's, the, what's the DRG uh, ICD-10 for that one? You know, oh sure boy. There probably, I, I, there probably I, is one. I'm sure there is one, yeah. I'm, I'm have, sure uh, uh, injury by falling space debris in there. So, I mean, why wouldn't cyber sickness be in there? Yeah. How can listeners uh, learn more about virtual reality? And I'm sure it's just it's just one of the many elements that you use in your program. I mean, that's obvious. Yes. But how can they learn more about it and other non-pharmacologic interventions? Yeah, one of the best things that uh, listeners can do is we have uh, – Within our, our pain program at St. Luke's, we have our pain empowerment program, and that's really focused on the non-pharmacologic treatment of pain. We're not against medications, but we also know that there are many different evidence-based uh, treatments that can be effective for pain. Cognitive behavioral therapy, clinical hypnosis, therapeutic virtual reality. So the best way that patients can learn more about uh, these different techniques is to contact uh, our physical medicine and rehabilitation department. And that number is 319-369-7331. Again, 319-369-7331. And we can, we can get patients scheduled in, in our orientation class. It's a 90 minute to two hour class. And we talk about all things pain psychology, how different types of biopsychosocial factors, can impact and influence the experience of pain, thinking patterns, behavioral patterns, environmental stressors. Uh, and then we talk about a number of other different types of techniques to manage pain. Again, like cognitive behavioral therapy and hypnosis. VR is just one specific modality and intervention that we use. And quite honestly, we, we use it more on the inpatient side than the outpatient side. I introduce it to patients on the outpatient side, um, but we're really using it on the inpatient side. So. If you're gonna have a procedure or anything uh, or be hospitalized at St. Luke's, hopefully you know, hopefully some of those things are planned if you are having to do anything. Um, but many of our nurses and, and techs 
uh, have been trained to be able to administer VR. And a little bit of background, this, pro, this part of this VR program is part of a research program uh, that I run in collaboration with, uh, with some undergraduate students and colleagues from uh, Coe College, or as we like to call it, refer to it, the Harvard of the Midwest. And so we know that there's good research to support the use of therapeutic virtual reality. We know there's good randomized controlled trials. What we don't know is how do you take a VR headset, put it in the hands of a nurse or a healthcare provider, and be able to integrate it into their already busy workflow. And that's one of the things that our research team is looking at is how can you take this into and put it into the hands of a healthcare provider and be able to use it effectively, teach patients to use it, uh, and you know be able to use it effectively. We don't want it to just be an extra thing that uh, a provider or a nurse has to do. We want it to be one more tool that they have to be able to help manage their patient's pain. And so far, the reception has been very positive. We've been able to implement it uh, at St. Luke's Birth Care. So uh, if you're going to be having a baby uh, anytime soon in the near future, please ask them about using therapeutic virtual reality. There's some good research to suggest that it's helpful. And we've also implemented it on several other of our units uh, at St. Luke's surgical units, as well as uh, our, our rehabilitation unit. So if you're in the hospital, um, you can certainly be able to, to use VR. And then if you come to our outpatient program or that outpatient orientation class that I mentioned, you can learn more about it. Well, as, as I've said it before, and I'll say it again, anytime that we can help a patient without a pill and without a scalpel, it's a victory. I agree 100%. That's, this has been really fun. Once again, this is Dr. Benjamin Tallman, psychologist at St. Luke's Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. For more information, visit unitypoint.org. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.